You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Uh, Last week I talked about going deeper and how in 2022 there's been a series of false starts. It's kind of like being at the finish line and you're waiting to take off on that race and uh, you're waiting for the pistol to go off and someone just starts running anyway. Then you have to kind of come back to the finish line and wait for the proper start. 2022 has felt a lot like that. And I challenged us to go deeper, that this year in 2022, we wouldn't sit on the sidelines and wait for things to happen, but that we would aspire to go deeper in the things of God, aspire to go deeper in His Holy Spirit, aspire to go deeper in His Word, and to grow strong in character, to grow strong in the fruits of the Spirit, to grow strong uh, in who we are and in the working of His Spirit through our lives. I desire to see that, and my hope is that you will see that in your life as well as you answer this call to go deeper. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, going forward in determination. As we continue this series about going deeper, I want to talk about determination and devotion in the Lord, that this year won't be a year that where you throw off your commitment to the Lord but rather that this year that you'll determine in your heart, this year will be a year of answered prayer. This year will be a year of breakthrough. This year will be a year in which you set yourself like a rock that's immovable in spite of the things that may come your way. And believe me, every year has its challenges. Every season has its challenges. It's no different from one person to another. Although it has seemed as though that this year has already started to be more challenging and kind of like a continuation of last year, like it's 2021 part two. And that's a sequel I don't want any part of and I want nothing to do with. Instead, what I want God to do is I want him to write the new chapter in the story. I want him to write the sequel to what's going to happen next. I'm part of a cliffhanger that God has currently got me in the middle of that I can't wait to see what he has for the future for me personally and for you. My hope and my desire is for you today is that you would look at this year that way. That you would look at this year with an anticipation and an expectation that you didn't have before. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. And if you're new here, we welcome you. And uh, I'll apologize in advance that when I get excited, I yell. So I just want to let you know that so that you're already in the loop on that. But this morning, I'm determined that 2022 is not going to be a year where I sit back anymore. It's not going to be a year where I wait for things to happen. It's going to be a year in which we determine ourselves and set ourselves like a rock to be unmovable and we forge forward. I say that for those of you sitting here and those of you who are sitting at home. This is a year in which we will do our best to move forward in the Lord. And if we get knocked back, we don't just simply stumble back and say, well, I guess I'm not going to do that anymore. But we get up, you brush yourself off, and you try again. Try again for the sake of your family. Try again for the sake of your church. Try again for the sake of your community. Try again for the sake of your marriage and your family. Get up and try again. Because that's what we're supposed to do and to keep going. But what do you do when you face challenges? What do you do when things keep coming after you and start looking for you? In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's a book found in the Old Testament. You'll notice that there's a book of Kings and a book of Chronicles. 
What's the difference between the two? Well, the book of Kings was believed to be written by Samuel the prophet, and it outlines the record of the different kings. And the books of Chronicles were believed to be written by the priest Ezra. And what's different about Chronicles is that it goes through each of the kings of Israel and Judah and categorizes them as good or bad, and it categorizes them according to their spiritual devotion. Today we're going to talk about one of the good kings. And one of the good kings is Jehoshaphat. Now, if your parents blessed you with a weird name, that's one thing. But I don't think too many people were ever blessed with the name Jehoshaphat. And if you did, you'd be like, well, how do you spell that? Like, my last name is Valeri, and forever people are getting that wrong. They're adding a Y on the end of it. They're adding an I-E on the end of it. It's V-A-L-E-R-I. I is E in Italian, and so it's Valeri, okay? But for no, under different circumstances, we will forever be getting mail from people that spells our name wrong. We got a piece of mail yesterday in the mail that had uh, my name spelled correctly and then my wife's name underneath the same last name spelled incorrectly, all right? But aren't you glad you don't have the name Jehoshaphat? Thanks be to God that you have a name like Kevin or Ashley or Adam. That it's simple and it's easy to remember and you don't have to spell that and it doesn't have to fill up your license there. But we're going to talk about Jehoshaphat and he was the fourth king of Judah. He was the great-grandson of King David. Jehoshaphat was a great-grandson of King David. He honored the Lord and did what was right in the Lord's sight. And he came to the throne at age 30. At age 30, he came to the throne, and he reigned for 25 years. Chuck Swindoll writes this about Jehoshaphat, saying, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the idols of Baal, but sought God, his father, and followed the commands of rather than the practices of Israel. And the Lord established a kingdom under his control, and all Judah had brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the Lord. But furthermore, he removed all the high places of idolatry and the Asherah poles from Judah. In addition, Jehoshaphat sent men throughout the kingdom to teach people the law of God, end quote. So we see that Jehoshaphat was someone who loved God who served him and honored God in everything that he did. He also longed for the divided kingdom to be restored. At this point in time, there is a southern kingdom of Judah, and there's a northern kingdom of Israel. They weren't once all together, ten tribes to the north and two tribes to the south. All twelve tribes used to be together. But then there was a division that took place that divided the kingdom, and the descendants of David would forever rule over Judah whereas the northern kingdom kept having people change positions and change uh, leadership in that kingdom. But Jehoshaphat's desire was that he would see the two kingdoms reunited again. And many times he would try and create treaties and alliances with the king of Israel to the north, the kings of Israel to the north, often with disastrous results because those kings were wicked and didn't always tell the truth. But so King Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat's trying to do the right thing. You know, he's serving God. He's honoring him. He's walking in the ways of his father, David. He's worshiping the Lord properly. He's removing idol worship from the land. He's establishing judges throughout the land. Uh, He's teaching the people the word of God and the ways of God so that the people would be raised up in the knowledge of God. You know, he's fortifying the, the, the army and building up the kingdom. And so he's doing everything right. But then as he's doing everything right, 
three major threats come against him. Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe this year has felt like that, that you've done everything right that you're supposed to do. You're living the right way. You're honoring God as you should, and then things come looking for you that are definitely not from God and want to try and take you out and get you down. Where you're sitting to yourself saying, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was honoring God. I thought I was worshiping. God, where are you? Understand today that the challenges that come your way are not a surprise to God, and they shouldn't be a surprise to you. Because anytime you set yourself to doing the right thing, there will always be challenges, forever be challenges, because people don't like you, they don't like what you're doing, they don't like what you represent, and so they're going to come along and try and discourage you, frustrate you, and yes, even try and destroy you and all that you are. I want you to look at this chapter together, because we see that Jehoshaphat faces a major threat, major challenges to his life even though he's doing the right thing. And how did he react to it? How did he respond to it? Look at the first three verses there. And I want to pause for a moment and just note that how do we react when things happen to us that we didn't plan on and that we're not pleased with? I want you to think about this for a moment because this is something that we all tend to go through. That as you're serving God, as you're walking with God, and things start to happen, we can have one of two reactions. We can either panic and be fearful, we can lament and curse, or we can speak the words of truth and words of life in the situation and say, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm trusting the God that led me to this point. I'm sorry if I'm a little worked up today. I'm a little determined today because I believe that God is, uh, we are on the precipice, on the threshold of God doing great things for this church this year. He said, well, Pastor Dan, there's only like 20 people in the sanctuary. I know, believe me, we do attendance, I get it. There's more people at home, and we love you people at home, and we wish you were here. But I believe that we're not going to be stuck in a rut this year, but that we're determining ourselves to go forward in Him. Yeah. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others that were with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judah. I want you to notice verse 3 here. Jehoshaphat loved God. He served God. Did all the right things. Did good in the Lord's sight. And after he was taking the steps to continue the good work God had called him to do, trouble strikes. Three armies came looking for him. The Ammonites, an army from Syria, and the Edomites. Now, the Edomites were descendants of Esau the brother of Jacob. They were relatives of the Jewish people. And they said, you know what? We don't like our brother's descendants and we're going to wipe them out. So an alliance is made. It's not just one army coming against you. In Jehoshaphat's situation, there are three armies that have it out for him and are coming for him. I want you to notice Jehoshaphat's reaction in verse 3. It says that Jehoshaphat feared But then I want you to notice that he didn't stay in that spot. But that 
His fear led to a reaction, a response that was godly. It says that he feared, but then he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself to pursue the Lord. So he did what all of us should do when we're facing something that's too big for us. Something that is too much of a threat. Something that is overwhelming. Maybe you've been there in 2021 and 2022. You've faced things. You've looked in the face of things that were too big for you. And Jehoshaphat did what we should do is that immediately he set himself to a godly strategy. So the title of my message today is Divine Strategies for Challenges in 2022. Divine Strategies for Challenges in 2022. The first strategy is this. He went to prayer. The very first thing he did is he went to prayer. Verses 4 through 13. So Judah gathered and asked for help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand against you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to your descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes on us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Notice that affirmation there. Notice what he says. Are you not God? Are you not the one that's able to do great things? Are you not the one who drove out the inhabitants before us? And he said, we will stand in the temple. We will stand in the sanctuary, whether it be pestilence or sword or famine, and we will call out to the name of the Lord because your name is in this house and that you will hear and you will say. Verse 10, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But you turned from them and did not destroy them. And now here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Verse 12, I want you to notice this. I want you to highlight this. I want you to underline this. O Lord God, will you not judge them? This part right here, underline. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord, we don't have the power to to face what's coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Notice the king calls for fasting and prayer. That when things are desperate... There are times in your life where you have to set aside everything that's an enjoyment to you and say, I'm going to seek God's face. Whenever the people were called to fasting, it was usually a sign of repentance that, God, we've gotten away from you. We've gotten comfortable. So, Lord, we've decided to fast and pray. And he brought everyone together to do that. Fasting shows not only repentance, but it shows dependence on the Lord. It shows that, Lord, we're desperate for you. Without you, we will surely fail. Without you, we will surely die without your hand at work within us. 
So, Lord, we cry out to you in our moment of desperation, and we've set aside everything else to seek your face. Jehoshaphat doesn't just simply call for a fasting and prayer. He calls for corporate prayer. And he says, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray as one. And make no mistake about it, when two or three are gathered in his name, he is in their midst. When two or three are gathered and agree concerning anything, it shall be done for the glory of the Father in heaven. So when we come together corporately to pray, God begins to work on our behalf. He prays before the people and he reminds himself and he reminds the people of who God is. Sometimes in your prayers, you've got to remind yourself who God is. Instead of thinking and focusing on yourself and how bad things are and how tough the situation is and how you don't think you're going to be able to get through it, stop focusing on yourself. Stop focusing on you as being the solution to the problem. You're just not that clever. You're handsome, you're good looking, but you're not that clever. You're not smart enough to figure it out. You're certainly not strong enough to overcome it. So when those moments come, we say, okay, God, I'm looking to you because I don't have it in me. I don't have the ability to do it here, but you do. And Jehoshaphat remembered that and said it and prayed it. And he calls to remembrance these things. And he calls out for them to fast and pray. He calls out to the Lord for help. We don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. Perhaps you've been there before. I don't know what to do. So we try and fake it sometimes. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this, or I'll do that, and I'll fix it, and it doesn't fix it. We try and, you know, uh, just try harder at the things that aren't working, as if that's going to bring about progress. We just find ourselves getting tired and more exhausted and more frustrated. When we don't know what to do, we need to turn our eyes to the Lord. Maybe you've been through this yourself Maybe you said to yourself, I've already been through so much and I can't possibly face one more thing. I don't have the strength in me to face this and I have no idea what to do. And Jehoshaphat does what we should all do. Admit when the challenge is too big for us and look to the Lord. He humbled himself and called for the people to fast and pray. His response here is a response of humility. You know, society has told us, particularly men, is just to, to be tough, to be, diffi- you know, to be hard, you know, uh, figure things out on yourself. Never admit that you're scared. Never admit that you don't know what to do. And meanwhile, everyone else is watching you, and it's clear that you're scared, and it's clear that you don't know what to do, but you refuse to admit it because you're tough. So society says, be tough, figure it out yourself. You know, don't be afraid, don't be scared. But Jehoshaphat's admission showed his utter dependence on the Lord and his need for divine help. And God responds when we ask him for help. He doesn't respond to stubborn, tough guy attitudes. He doesn't respond to proud men and women who refuse they need help. But God responds responds and always will respond to those who cry out to the Lord in humility and say, God, I don't know what to do. It's been said, and it's a wise saying, that he who kneels before God can stand before anyone. The person that kneels before the Lord can stand before anyone and anything. When you pray, 
God gets involved. When you pray, your problems become his problems. When you pray, he takes an active role in your challenges and he responds with divine direction and instruction. Strategy number one, first and foremost, is to pray. You're like, yes, pastor, I know I'm supposed to pray. Great, are you? Because we don't. Because if you're anything like me, I get worked up about it. Start thinking about what's going to happen. Start thinking about the situation. Start trying to think about the solutions. And my time is preoccupied with the the manic kind of uh, feverish attitude of trying to fix the situation. Instead of just simply sweeping everything aside and saying, I got to hit my knees and ask God for help. I got to hit my knees and ask for heaven's help in the situation. Let's look at what happened when he prayed. Verse 14 through 19 of Second Chronicles. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you, Judah, and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and even you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. I want to say that to you this morning. Do not be afraid or dismayed because the two can go hand in hand. Fear comes in when you say, like, it it looks like this is the end for me. It looks like this is the end for my marriage. It looks like this is the end for my family. It looks like this is the end for my job, my situation. First we become afraid and then we become dismayed because we're depressed that we're in that situation. We're sad that we're in the boat that we're in. We're sad that we're in the, the, the transitionary place that we find ourselves in. But can I challenge you with an idea today that when God's bringing one thing to an end, maybe he has a beginning for you. Maybe he has something on the other side of that. Maybe the frustration you feel, maybe the discontent that you feel is God trying to agitate you and move you from a place of comfort and complacency to a place of dependence upon him once more. I don't like that. We don't like that. Because usually that means massive transitions in your life. Massive changes in your life. Listen, I'm not telling you to go out and divorce your husband or get rid of your kids. Don't misunderstand me today. I'm not telling you to go quit your job tomorrow. That's not what I'm talking about. But just recognize that when you're in that agitated place, that place of unrest, that maybe God is looking to step into that situation and bring change and transition. Continuing onward in verse 15. He says, do not be afraid or dismayed by this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, and they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook by the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Jehoshaphat prays, God, I don't know what to do. The Lord speaks through one of those that are gathered there, one of the Levites. Spirit of the Lord hits him. And he has a word in season for the people to hear. 
And this man who is moved upon by the Spirit, one of these Levites, these sons of Aaron, uh, they, they stand up and they say, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. The Lord has given me a word that you won't have to fight this battle, but the Lord will fight for you. And that he will bring about victory and here's where you're to go and here's what you're to do and follow him and do these things and God will bless it. When we pray, when we seek God's face, when we're still before him, God's spirit is able to speak to us. He is able to give us divine strategy, divine instructions on what we should do. When facing big challenges, you need divine strategies. Divine strategy is the difference between a good idea and a God idea. Write that down. Divine strategy is the difference between a good idea and a God idea. Listen, we all have good ideas. But a God idea is an idea that you wouldn't have come up with on your own. It's a creativity. It's a wisdom that you yourself do not possess. But when God gives it, you know it's from him. Why? Because part of it is that it's brilliant, but it's something that you would never come up with on your own. Sometimes it's a strategy that goes completely against what you would do in that situation. And maybe that's what we need. Maybe that's what we need sometimes, is that we've been trying to do things a certain way. Maybe you've been in relationship after relationship after relationship, and it can't be that everyone else is messed up. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Is that there are sometimes there are things in us that God needs to bring about changing because we're stuck on a strategy, a game plan, an approach to life that is completely different than what God wants us to do. Divine strategy is needed when you need to know what to do when you don't know what to do. God ideas come from the mind and will of the Lord. Good ideas come from the mind of man. The thing about divine strategy is that when the Lord gives it to you, listen to it, respect it, and follow it. I'll say that again. When the Lord gives you a divine strategy, listen to it, respect it, and follow it. You can't say to God, God, I don't know what to do, help me. And then when he gives you the download, when he gives you the instruction, decide that you, in your own intellect, decided you know better. That you understand better. That you've asked for wisdom from the infinite and you've applied your intellect to the finite and saying, I don't get this. And because I don't understand it, I'm not doing it. Or because I don't understand it and I'm not comfortable with it, I'm not gonna do it. When we ask God for his help, we shouldn't rationalize in our flesh what God is instructed by his spirit. You can sec- can't second guess it with human intellect what God has given you with divine wisdom. If you do, you will always fail. Instead, we need to do what Jehoshaphat do, what did. Be thankful to God that he's speaking to us and then follow in obedience. So what do you do with God's instruction and direction? One, First strategy is go to prayer. Second strategy is go out courageously. Verses 16 and 17 says, tomorrow go down against them. You won't need to fight the battle, but uh, the Lord will fight the battle for you. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do not, be fear, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is strength in the face of fear. Nelson Mandela said, quote, courage is not the absence of fear, but triumph over fear in the face of it. Mark Twain said, courage is the resistance to fear 
the mastery of fear, not the absence of it, end quote. Notice that the Spirit of the Lord didn't tell him, you know, the Spirit of the Lord speaking through this Levi and says, go and hide somewhere, which is what we want to do, don't we? When things are going badly, when we've been caught off guard by a challenge, when we've been challenged by an enemy that we did not expect, with power that we did not expect, with, with uh, action coming against us, looking for us to take us out. The instruction from the Lord is not go and hide. The instruction from the Lord is like, you won't have to fight, but go out to battle anyway. Now, I don't know about you, that doesn't sound very reassuring to me that I'm not going to have to fight. But he says, you know, I want you to go out and meet them. Go to where they are. Meet them here. Face them here. Prepare yourself. Position yourself and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is going to fight their battles, but they had to face the challenge ahead of them. They had to meet and face their enemy. Notice that God's divine strategy is always filled with action words. I want you to notice that. It's never like, you know, it's never like, go hide somewhere. Go be cowardly. Go, go uh, try and avoid responsibility. Go and try and avoid conflict and difficulty. It's always go. The kingdom is always about action words. Go and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples. Go into all the world. It's no different here. These verses say go down against them. Position yourself. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. The Holy Spirit tells them the where and the when of where the enemy will be and where to wait for them. So often when we expect face unexpected challenges, it knocks us back on our heels. Sometimes it's an unexpected health issue, an unexpected bill, unexpected bad news. And the tendency is to retreat and hide and lose confidence in God. Instead of moving forward, we become paralyzed with fear and we retreat backwards. But notice what the Holy Spirit said. Go down against them. They were not supposed to stay hiding in the city waiting for the attack to come. God wanted them to go out and meet the challenge head on. The theme for 2022 is that you don't have to fight the battle, but you do have to face them. You don't have to fight the battle, but you do have to face them. The same thing here. The Lord will fight your battles for you, but you still have to face that challenge. You still have to confront that error. You still have to go and talk to that person that you have a disagreement with. There are things that you still have to face in order to see God work in your situation. I believe that this year there are going to be challenges. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that. I think some of you are already there. You're already in it, and you're like, already? We're only two weeks into this piece here, and already I'm having challenges and difficulties. There'll be things that challenge your faith, challenge your freedom, challenge your health, challenge your finances, and challenge your future. But in these perilous times, I believe God wants us to stop running and start facing the problems that are before us. With his help, we can prevail because the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. Strategy one is to pray. Strategy two is to go out courageously. In other words, you've got to leave where you are. It's like, wait, you mean things are coming for me, looking for me, and instead of going somewhere else where they can't find me, I'm supposed to go out where they are? Yes, and to meet them head on. Why? Because it shows that I have courage. It shows that I believe in God. It shows that I'm being obedient to him. The third strategy, go out in obedience. Go out in obedience. 
Verse 20 and 21. It says, They rose early the next morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and those who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army. You see what they did here? Okay, be courageous. Because the next morning they got up and went out. They actually went out the next morning. They didn't wait for the enemy to come to them. They went out to where they were. It's one thing to know what you're supposed to do. It's another thing entirely to do it. It's in the in-between the instruction and the action that people lose courage. Think about that. God, I know I, God, I don't know what to do. Here's what you should do. Do that tomorrow. It's like, all right, I'll do that tomorrow. Can I just say that tomorrow is the enemy of your progress? I'll do it tomorrow. Especially if that tomorrow becomes the next day and the next day and the next day. But when the Lord's spoken to you about doing something, don't put it off till tomorrow. Instead, get up the next day and go out and meet the challenge. It's the in-between. The longer the space is between the instruction and the obedience means the longer that you have to second-guess God and to question it and to chicken out, if you will, and to lose your courage. The best thing you can do is to take the Lord up his word and do it. Why? Because obedience shows trust. Obedience rests in God's wisdom. Obedience admits that we don't have all the answer. Obedience, listen, I'm going to say this here and receive it with love. Obedience doesn't argue with God about what we think he means and whether or not we should do it. Obedience isn't like, yeah, but God, how about we do it this way? If you're a parent and you have children that do that to you, you're like, no, absolutely not. This is what's going to happen, and you will do it. But yeah, but what if we do it this way? As a youth pastor, when I did games with kids, I was always amazed with the way that they would find loopholes in the rules. And they say, well, what about this? And I hadn't thought about that, but I'm saying, no, that's an absolute no, because it's in a, a circumventing of the rules. And there are times where you have to say, okay, this is the, what God, this is the way God wants me to do it. I'm going to do it that way. I'm not going to try and add my cleverness to it. When you receive a clear word from heaven, follow it completely and leave nothing out. When, if there's, you're saying, well, I've asked God what to do and I haven't heard from him about what to do. Continue to seek him about what to do until you hear from him. Stop talking and start listening. When you pray, say, God, I'm gonna wait on you and listen for you. You say, well, I'm under a deadline here. I have to do this. God knows. He understands. He'll, he'll come through. Might be 11.59 and 59 seconds till midnight, but he'll come through. But even in the absence of a clear word from heaven about exactly what to do, always do what God's word says. Always do the right in that situation. The promise of the old covenant in Deuteronomy 28 is that obedience leads to blessing and success. I want you to take note of what the king did. He got up, spoke with his people, developed a war council and assigned who would do what in order to carry out God's instructions. This shows that Jehoshaphat believed the word of the Lord and that he was taking seriously the instruction that God gave him. He met with the people, talked with the people. Not about what, whether or not we should do it. And that's important too. When you talk to God about the strategy, 
and what he wants you to do, don't, don't then go talk to someone else who's going to talk you out of what God told you to do. If God told you to do the right thing and you talk to someone else and you go, I wouldn't do that, you're not God. I didn't ask you what you would do. I'm telling you what's on my heart to do. And when you act in obedience, God will always bless it. When you choose to do what's right in God's sight, he will bless it. So Jehoshaphat develops a war council, even though he knows he's not going to have to fight. He's like, all right, I need everybody on the same page as me. We're going out together, and here's what we're going to do, and set out to do it. Are you still with me? Three, great. Three of you are with me, the rest of you are asleep. That's okay. Fourth and final strategy. So we, we, we go to prayer. We go out courageously. We go in obedience. And fourthly, we go out in worship. Take a look at verses 21 through 30. It says, And then he, Jehoshaphat, appointed those who should sing to the Lord and should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. So the king gets his army ready for battle. And I want you to think about this, okay? Talk about divine strategy that makes no sense from the perspective of a military strategist or a king or a kingdom. Keep in mind, Jehoshaphat had built up the armies of Israel. But instead of sending out the chariots, the horsemen, and the foot soldiers out first, he sends out the worshipers, singers, musicians, and priests. Imagine the king coming to the worship leader and worship team and saying to them, we're about to go to war and you're going out first. But I'm not a soldier. Am I going to have a sword? No. Here's a songbook and a trumpet and a lyre. And he's like, I don't know. That's not my thing. That's not my skill set. Like the fighting is for the warriors. I'm a, I'm a worshiper. I'm a lover, not a fighter. You can't make me go to the front. I imagine like the idea of going forward first in worship was completely opposite to the way, the way that you would think to go to battle. You would line up your strongest men first. You would line up uh, your, 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 your strongest divisions to go out to war first. But instead he says, you know what? God's going to go before us. And so we're going to put him in the front. And we're going to say who he is and what he is. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. It was a statement that God's going before us. They went to face the challenge before them with praise on their lips. I want to challenge you with this thought today. Do you face the challenges of your life with praise on your lips or cursing from your mouth? Do you face the challenges of life with a song in your heart or with cursing from your lips? What I mean by that is like instead of things coming our way and our first reaction is expletives and four-letter words or we begin to, to call down things that we shouldn't call out or is it like, God, I don't know what to do but my eyes are on you. Lord, we depend on you that we, when you look at your situation and your circumstance, you say, God, I have no idea what to do with this but I know that you do and I know who you are and I know what you can do so I'm going to praise you in the middle of it. Something happens when we praise. Something happens when you face your challenges with praise. The people praise God going into it, not knowing what it was going to hold. They had a word, they had a promise to stand on, but someone could say, well, what, what if that person didn't really hear from the Lord? Right? Think about that. A prophetic word comes forth in the assembly. Go out singing. 
and the Lord will fight the battle for you. And you go out there and get slaughtered, right? They went out worshiping, not knowing what was going to happen there. They didn't know how it was going to unfold. Like, were they going to sing and people are going to be flattened by the sound of their music? You know, were they going to just fall over? What was, was there going to be an actual battle there? Were they singing and then, you know, there'd be angels that kind of intervene? What was going to happen? They didn't know. But they went into it with praise. Can I challenge you today that when you don't know what you're going into today, can you go into it with praise? Can you go into your situation with worship and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I have the word from you that tells me what's going to happen, but I have, I, I'm concerned, I'm fearful, I'm a little worried, but I've got your word and I'm going forth and I'm going to go into it with praise. Take a look at what happens next. Verse 22. Now when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come out against Judah, and they were defeated. When they began to what? Sing. When they began to praise, before they even saw the army, before they even showed up on the battlefield, they're just singing, Our God is an awesome God, he reigns. I don't know what they were singing. They were singing something. Maybe they were saying God of angel armies. I don't know what the song was. We don't have the benefit of seeing what the song was. But they're going out singing, and they're going over the horizon, and before they even get to the battlefield, before they even see the first soldier, it says that the Lord set up ambushes against the three armies. Scholars believe that what happened here in this situation is that two of the armies conspired against another army and wiped them out. He said, I hate this other army. I don't even know why we got together with this army. So two of them conspire to take out one of the armies. Then a disagreement arises between the two armies that had just conspired against that other army and wiped them out, and they absolutely kill each other, destroy each other before these people even reach the battlefield. Verse 24, so when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there was nothing but dead bodies fallen on the earth, and no one had escaped. Something happens when we go into the situation with prayer. We can't see it in the physical. We can't see it in the natural. But when we start to praise God in the midst of our circumstances, when we praise God in the midst of what we're going into, then God begins to work on our behalf. He begins to set up ambushes against uh, those who have conspired against you. Listen, those who are wicked, who have conspired against you, they have no conscience, they have no morals. If they turn against you, they'll turn against each other too. God is able to turn things around for you without you even seeing it and even being there. But will you trust God and go into your situation with praise on your lips and a song in your heart, knowing who God is, declaring who he is to others? Amen. Hallelujah. What if we went to every battle with praise? I'm not just talking about singing, even though I sing and lead worship on Sunday mornings. But I'm talking about instead of admitting defeat, fear, and discouragement, you had the word of God in your lips and the worship of God in your heart. What if you went to every battle that way? What if you went to every circumstance that way? And, and please understand, there are times where you get punched in the face by life. Literally, like the things that you go up against that you didn't expect, you just get hit with something. And for a minute there, it knocks you back off your feet. But then you just wipe the blood off your nose, 
wipe the dirt off your shoulder, and you get up and you begin to declare who God is and what he's going to do and what his plans for us, because his plans are yes and amen. His promises are yes and amen to the believer in Christ. Do you believe that today? Then if you believe it, you should train yourself that when things happen, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say what they're saying to me. I'm not going to say what others have planned for me. I'm going to say what God has planned for me. And I'm not talking about living in a delusional, conspiracy-ridden mindset that you're like, well, this is not this, it's that. What I'm talking about is that you're walking and say, you know, if I'm doing the right thing, if I'm serving the Lord, if I'm living according to his words, then I know that he's with me. I know he's going to be there for me. I know he's going to fight my battles for me. And you can say that with a degree of confidence. That's what we do. Verses 25 through 30. If you approached every battle with praise and worship, if you approach every situation with the word of God in your heart and your mind, I believe you would see victory in your situation. Verses 25 through 30, it says, When Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off of themselves more than they could carry away. And they were there three days gathering the spoil because of there was so much. And the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for they, there they blessed the Lord. And therefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Barakah, until this day, when they returned, every man to Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them, you go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries around them when they heard the Lord had fought against the, armies, uh, the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. It says that the armies of Judah arrived in time to collect the spoils of war without having to swing a sword or shoot an arrow. That's God at work. When you go into your challenge with prayer, courage, and obedience, when you follow the Lord's leading, God will fight for you. And the challenges that were ominous and scary before you will disappear in the face of the Lord at work. And you will see the blessing of the Lord. Verse 26, it says, They called that place the Valley of Barakah. The valley of Barakah means the valley of blessing. It says that here, God blessed us in a way that we could have never imagined. It was here that we were expected to be dead and defeated and wiped out. But God took this place and made it a place of blessing. It made it a place of victory. It made it a place of praise. And so I want you to look into your situation. I want to look into the valleys that you go through. That as dark as it may be, as challenging as it may be, is there an opportunity here for God to be able to create a valley of blessing for you in the midst of what you're going through? Verses 21, 22, 27, and 28, as I wrap this up here. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm, I'm landing the plane, I promise you. I am. I'm circling the airport. We're coming in for a landing. I want you to understand something. That they went out praising and came back praising. They went out with praise on their lips, and they came back with praise on their lips. They praised God going into their situation and praised God coming out of it. They went into it singing and praising. They they returned rejoicing and praising and bringing provision with them. When God fights your battles and when he brings you through it victoriously, always remember to praise him. Sometimes our memories are short. 
We pray about something with such a, an urgency and a desperation, but when the answer comes, we forget to thank God for it. We forget to praise Him. I can't tell you the number of times that I'm praying for somebody, thinking that they're on death's doorstep, or they're getting evicted from their house, or whatever the case might be, and then I'll talk to them later, and they're like, oh, that, I'm fine, that was, that was two weeks ago. Why don't you tell people that you've gone through the valley and you've come out on the other side and God's been with you? I'm praying for you're prayed up for the next three weeks. God's going to bless you because I overprayed for you. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that let people know if you've got people praying for a situation, give them a praise report. If there's something going on in your life that God brings you out of that you've been praying for, make sure you. You, be, you are a grateful child in the eyes of the Lord that you say, God, thank you that you brought me through this. God, I was worried about this, but you brought me through. God, I was fearful that things were going to fall apart, but I was worried for nothing because you were with me the whole time. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that this is a valley of blessing that I'm in and that you're bringing me through to the other side and that all of these things have passed and now... I see your hand at work. Honor the Lord when he answers your prayers. Praise him when he does a good thing. Honor him after the stress and the struggle of the moment is over. Have a long memory when it comes to the goodness of God. Have a short memory when it comes to whether or not you're going to make it or not. Your member should go, I remember that he did this for me when I was 12 years old. I remember he did this for me when I was 25. I remember he did this for me when I was 50 years old and I thought I was going to die and he was there for me and he brought me through. I want you to remember and have a long memory when it comes to the goodness of God in your life and you say, no matter what faces me, that's before me, I remember that God was faithful to me all these years and he will continue to be. Church, I don't know what this year will hold for you. Some ways, some of you have already set, faced challenges and setbacks and difficulties already. But as we go deeper in 2022, let's press in and see what God will do. I want you to employ these divine strategies. You say, well, Pastor, are these all the strategies? No. If you read the scriptures, you recognize they're different strategies for different situations. But one thing is always the same pray. Absolutely divine strategies. Go out in prayer, go out courageously, go out in obedience, and go out in worship. What are the things that you're facing this year as the worship team comes and joins me on the platform? What are you facing this year? If I were to ask you today, what are the three big things that you're up against? say, well, maybe it's, it's not an army. I don't have an army looking for me. But I'm sure there are things that have come your way that you weren't expecting. Maybe the challenge before you is a health challenge. You say, Lord, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with this news, this information. Maybe it's a bill that came across your doorstep and you're like, I have no idea I'm going to pay. Maybe it's a work situation that seems like it's not going to get resolved anytime soon. Maybe the future at that company is in jeopardy. 
maybe your family's in a tough spot, it's in a difficult situation, and you don't have the answer. You've tried different things, you've tried counseling, you've tried friends helping you out, but it looks like the end result's still going to be the same. What's the challenge that you're facing today that's bigger than your ability to handle it and to be strong? I want you to just bring those things to mind right now as we lay them before the Lord. And in a moment, we're just going to pray and ask God for his help because he can intervene on our behalf. Lord, we just pray right now. Lord, would you intervene like you have so often for kings and for generals and for prophets, Lord God. Lord, the blessings of Abraham are available to us as children of Abraham through faith. And that God, that if you came through for them in such a way, Lord, you can come through for us as well. So God, I pray for each person, whatever the circumstance they're facing, whatever the challenge is too big for them, I pray, God, that they would admit that they're afraid, admit they don't know what to do, and then pray to you and seek your face. And Lord, would you lead them and direct them? Would you guide them and show them the way? And God, may this be a year of breakthrough, a year of victory, a year of triumph, Lord God, for many who are going through different things. I pray, Lord, that you would give them courage beyond themselves, Lord. Not a confidence in themselves, but a confidence in the God they serve and the one that they live and worship. Would you work on their behalf and in their situation? We give this all to you, Lord God, knowing that you will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you sing this song as a prayer today? God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me wisdom to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do.
for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.